welcome to this Scrum Body podcast. For more information, a list of all our podcasts is available on www.scrumbuddy.co.uk and our email address is feedback at scrumbuddy.co.uk. Now, here's Stephen Ian. In this podcast, Ian and Steve talk about the three roles of Scrum. Well, uh, hello, uh, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Uh, welcome to the first podcast by um, the Scrum Buddies. That's uh, me, I'm Ian. And I'm Steve. This is going to be a series of podcasts that we do. We've got at least 50 up our sleeve at the moment, it could be more. About 15 minutes long each. Um, they are for uh, people who are new to being a Scrum Master, people who are existing Scrum Masters, just sort of, you know, a bit of a reflection you could do on certain issues, and what I will now call pre-Scrum Masters, people who are going to become or want to become um, Scrum Masters in the future. Yeah, this is a, we're trying to create an easy way for you to pick up some understanding and uh, understanding of what Scrum is and how it works and how to do Agile in your company. The idea of doing podcasts is, first of all, you get two voices. I'm voice one. I'm voice two. Yeah, and the idea is that between us, you know, we'll... Uh, make it a bit sparky. Can I say the word sparky? I think you can say I just think you yeah. just have them. Yeah, I have. Um, and you could maybe listen to them while you're walking, your dog, or driving, or cooking, or vacuuming. Or When I was a Scrum Master for the first time, what I really would have appreciated is just a short 15-minute podcast each day that gives me something to focus on for that day, something that pulls it to the front of my mind, makes me think about an area of the work that I was doing and maybe challenges me to bring something else to the team. So this is what I would have appreciated. So, yeah, we're creating something that we want. Yes. We wanted. Wanted. We wanted. We wish we'd had. Yes. And uh, we haven't found anything like this, so um, that's why we're doing it. So, um, why listen to us? Why, why, uh, perhaps we should say, why listen to us? Well, there's two reasons. First of all, what we have as experience, so let's start with that. And then there's the philosophical point of why listen to us. So let's start with the experience. I'm Ian Banner. Um, I work for a large telco in the UK. I have worked for that telco uh, for 12 years now. Um, uh, my background is a technical one. I went through the technical ranks, through architecture, a bit of program management. And a couple of years ago, I got the job of how do we make the best use of Agile in our very, very large IT shop. For the last three years, I have run the Agile transformation at this company. Uh, that means I've been the catalyst for it. I've been the cajoler, the provoker, the egger on, the uh, challenger, the person who turns up and enthuses on the subject, evangelizes. Uh, that's me. So, um, and that's why I'm here. Uh, why am I worth listening to? Well, I've got so many scars in my back from things I got wrong. I thought, you know, uh, a wise man once said, um, Learn from your own mistakes. Even better, learn from someone else's mistakes. So hopefully that's what this will be. This will be all my mistakes, <laughs> all our mistakes, so you don't have to make them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, my name is Stephen Forbes. work for a uh, large consultancy. Um, I've been uh, in delivering IT systems for 25 years, been working using Agile um, as a formal uh, approach for for 12 years, and uh, for the past two years, been working with Ian at a large telecommunications <laughs> provider, and currently uh, spending about half my time there working with Ian, helping him to transform it to a more agile organisation. Another reason to listen to us. Uh, there's another saying that goes, uh, in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man can be a king. And 
Um, I don't think we're experts. At least I don't feel an expert. Um, there's things I don't know. There's a lot I don't know. There are some things I do know, though, and that's what you're going to hear on this podcast from me. Um, but while I'm not an expert, I am part of the way on the journey. And I think I have tripped up a lot. I have made some mistakes, and I want to bring those out so that other people don't have to. So I'd, you'll hear opinions on here you may not agree with. That's okay. I don't mind. It's an opinion. I don't think it always has to be right or wrong. If I say something and you think, actually, I believe exactly the opposite of that, that's fine as well, as long as you firmly believe something and try and use it. So we're fellow travellers with you, and um, maybe we've been to some places you haven't been to yet, and we're able to tell you what's there and things to look out for. Yeah, consider us a tour guide. Yes. A tour guide showing you the big city of Scrum. Um, And what a big city it is. (laughs) So this podcast, as I said at the start, is really about the um, one of the key questions that always comes out as you start introducing Scrum. The first few podcasts are going to be a bit like this. They're going to be, uh, you know, a bit of the basics, just checking out people understand them, a bit of detail and chat. So what's today about? It's the, um, the three roles of Scrum. All right, so that's so, what we're talking about. Ian, um, what are the three roles of Scrum? Uh, Scrum Master. That's one. Product Owner. That's two. Team. That's three. And stakeholder. That's four. That's the three roles. That's the three roles of Scrum, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, I know in the book there's three roles, not four, in all the books. Um, We emphasise the fourth for a reason, which is the stakeholders are a key to understanding, really, the interaction with stakeholders from the Scrum Master and the product owner and the team are quite essential to it working correctly. In fact, the interaction between the team and the stakeholders shouldn't be there, and it is a lot in you know, a lot of cases, so that's why we emphasise the four. So we're, for the next ten minutes, just going to briefly go through each of those, I think, mm-hmm. aren't we? Okay. Um, first one, then. What do you want to do first? Scrum Master. Scrum Master, okay. Yes. What's the uh, purpose of a Scrum Master, then? Scrum Master is there to protect the team. To protect bring, the team. To protect the team. Mm-hmm. To anything that the team have encountered as a problem or an impediment, the Scrum Master is there to take ownership of that and to clear it. Clear the path for them, as it were. Make Clear. sure they stay efficient. A servant leader of servant the team. Servant leader, yeah. That's a good phrase, isn't it? They, uh, they serve the team. So they're sort of leading because they've got knowledge of Scrum. It's probably deeper than the, uh, the team, but it's the team that are doing the work and it's up to them to make sure the team are effective. And yeah, I, I used to think the Scrum Master was the team leader. No, but actually, actually the team is led by... The team. The team. The team lead, the team the team. lead themselves. They're self-organising. A self-organising, self-empowered team. Yeah. The Scrum Master is a master, an expert, a guru in Scrum, and can advise, train, teach, cajole um, product owners, stakeholders, anyone in a company on what Scrum is and how it works. In a chemical, if you imagine a chemical reaction taking place in a, a beaker, and the team are the, uh, the chemicals in the reaction... But, but put the Scrum Master in, he's like a catalyst, yeah. and he'll help the, the reaction to happen more effectively and uh, with, uh, more productively. And so the, the Scrum Master, even though they can be also a team member, in their role as Scrum Master, they're not part of the team. Um, the, the development team are quite separate from the, the Scrum Master. Okay, so uh, that's the Scrum Master role. Does it have to be a master? Ah, do you know why it's called Scrum Master, by the way? I asked Jeff Sutherland this. What did Jeff say? Yeah, I, I met Jeff Sutherland. He's one of the guys who came up with this a while ago. Um, uh, Scrum comes from the title of a paper that uh, Jeff and a lot of few other people, Kent Beck and um, 
Ken Schreiber and others were all starting to work out these new ways of doing things that are more common sense. Do you mean the Harvest Business Review paper, the new New Product Development Game, <laughs> written in 1986? Is that the paper you're referring to? <laughs> Thank you. That's the paper I'm referring to, written by two Japanese consultants, uh, uh, Nanuka and... Kachi? Do you know what? I've just got it wrong. Nanuki yeah. and Kanacha. There we go. Right. I got there. And um, they wrote this paper that Jeff Sutherland noticed where they were talking about productivity of teams and how to make products efficiently and effectively. And they, they worked out that, that products became good and high quality when teams were involved together in creating them not individuals one after the other. And in the paper they compared, for example, football, where the ball is passed by one player, then the next, then the next, with rugby, where there are times when the ball is moved forward by the whole team getting involved together. And that's why they use the word scrum. It's not an acronym for anything. It is actually from rugby, Mm -hmm. and it's the term scrum. Okay. However, However, if you know scrum... If you know rugby, you know scrum is not a point at which the team moved the ball forward. That's a rook. That's a rook. So um, had they understood that correctly, I suspect perhaps Tanuki and Archer's paper would have been would have coined a phrase rook, rook, yes. and we would be the rook buddies. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, it's not so good. But I don't want to go. It's there. not good. So that's why it's called scrum. Uh, why master? Given this this role is a servant role, serving the team, serving the company by helping everyone else understand scrum. Why is it the word master? I asked Jeff this, and he said, well, it was around the time of Star Wars, and Jedi Master was around. And so they needed the, the team that were developing needed someone to do some admin, sort out some meeting rooms, um, you know, talk to the stakeholders and other people about what was going on. And they, they actually chose the least performant member of the team, <laughs> uh, interesting, to do this role. And actually they rotated it around a few times as well. And it was called Scrum Master just because of Star Wars and Jedi so Master. the Scrum Master Yoda is. Yoda is, the sc- yes. yes um, backlog do you will each day. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up daily. You, anyway, we'll stop that. So. I, th- I think one of the important things uh, is that the, the Scrum Master uh, coaches the, uh, the team, the development team, the, the product owner and the stakeholders... And um, they should be more experienced in Scrum, or at least experienced in Scrum, and able to bring their experience and to answer questions that people might have and, and to bring success stories of where they've used Scrum successfully in the in past. In the past, yeah. yeah. Because hearing about something being used successfully, I think, increases people's confidence, if they're doing it for the first time, that it will actually deliver what it's purporting to deliver. So ask me a question, Steve. Ask me this question. Would I give a critical Scrum Master role to someone who had just been trained? Ian, yeah? would you give a critical Scrum Master role to someone who has just been trained? No, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't because they need experience. Ah. Uh, so how can you ever become a Scrum Master if you need experience? That's easy, which is you work on a project where someone else is the Scrum Master and you shadow them, you understand what they're doing. Maybe you start on a less critical project and you have a, um, a more experienced Scrum Master as a coach mm-hmm. helping you understand what you need that to do. That would work, yeah. That would work as well. Uh, we've used those, those, um, those principles in the past. Your cre- and this is very important, your accreditation from the Scrum Alliance or Scrum Org, we love them both, um, does not mean you are an experienced Scrum Master. It just means, you've always said this to me, it just means at some point in the past you had a commitment. Mm to do some training. Yes, and you did it. And you supported either you supported yourself or the company you're working for supported you. 
Yeah. So for me, as a person who's now met lots of scrum masters over the last three or four years, there's a wealth of difference between a new one and one who is really good at success stories and understanding and brings confidence and leadership to the team, even though they're not leading the team, brings that confidence factor to the mm. team. Um, I know in Six Sigma, for example, you have these statuses of green belt and yellow belt and black belt for the ability for you to understand Six Sigma very well. It's a pity we don't have the same sort of things within Scrum really well. I know we have some of them have practitioners and advanced Maybe practitioners. Maybe that's coming. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So um, for me, that role is critical on yeah. the team. It's vital. It's an experienced person. Um, I go so far as to say sometimes I would take a Scrum master with experience over someone who had experience in telco for example, mm. on a telco project. I'd rather have them as an experienced scrum master who worked in finance, for example, mm. than a telco person who is new to scrum. I'd agree with that. That role is so critical, I'd always make sure I've got someone with experience first. Mm. But if you're new to this, my advice is, you know, get stuck in, learn. Um, it's not a vicious circle, it's a virtuous circle. The more you learn, the more experience you'll have, the more success stories you have, the more you can tell people and show people success, the better. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Scrum. We've finished with the Scrum Master role. What's the next one? Um, product Owner. Cool. So, uh, tell me about Product Owner. Product Owner is the person who owns the product. Oh, Hence, they call the Product Owner. I could get that, I think. They are responsible for the success of the product in the market, the return mm. on investment. They're responsible for stopping the project if they believe that the product's not going to be successful. Or they, they're responsible for stopping the development of the product if they believe that enough business value has been delivered and you're just chasing diminishing returns. This is really interesting for me because I think a lot of product owners think the role is to define completely everything that's got to happen on the product for three years and just specify it well and maybe prioritise it or in the new language order it. Um, Product owners can deliver more benefit by stopping a product product development sooner because then that means that product has cost less to develop yeah in fact in the in our t- in our company we we there's another podcast to come on this which is we use a lot of games to teach things and there's a game people play where they get to spend up to 10 million a month and the successful people are the people who work out where to stop spending the money that's right it's always the case that most of the teams spend more than they should and don't realise at a point when they're not going to get the return on investment in time for the scores at the end of the game, isn't it? And they just carry on spending. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of an anti-pattern around project managers who just want to continue until all the the capability's been developed, all the money's been spent, and the deadline's been hit, and they are never charged with stopping soon because enough benefit's been delivered. So, um, when I communicate this in the UK, there's a... It's a little bit of a sort of soundbite I use to do with uh, songs, and I say that we need to move product owners' behaviour from like the Queen song, which is I want it all and I want it now, to the Spice Girls, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Um, and for me, the, the key to product owner is not understanding the product, not understanding the vision of what the product could do in the market, but understanding when to spend money, mm-hmm. what to spend it on, and when to stop. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, and and they decide what the team are going to do next. They agree with the team what the team are going to be doing in the next sprint. And the product owner gets that understanding of what's going to happen because they've, they've, um, they've 
had all the conversations, got all the information from the stakeholders that they need. Ah, now you brought up stakeholders, which is the fourth of my three roles. Well, we've not talked about the team yet. Have we even talked about the team? No. Okay, let's the team. Then. Apologies for the um, uh, song in the background. That was my phone going off. I'm very embarrassed. I apologise. Team, Steve, tell me about team. Team. They, uh, the team, the group of people that are required to create an increment of uh, potentially shippable work. Product. Product. And, so and they we- are the, the people who then will take that increment if it's accepted by the product owner and put it into live. Yeah, there's a lot of classic technical words you've used there, definitions, mate. So the team. Um, Would the testers be involved? Yes. Uh, Would the designers be involved? Well, they'd just be team members. Architects? Yeah, they're they're team members. Um, 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 I don't know, the people who design the interface on the screen? You see, you're talking about, yeah, all of these people. The people who come up with the process changes? The people who come up with the... Uh, changes to the manual that goes with the product, the people who... The team should be everyone that's required to develop an increment of, of the product. Of the product, OK. Yeah. Uh, what about project managers, then? Can we talk about them in another podcast? <laughs> yeah. uh, a big topic, uh, one that we mull over continually, is where do project managers sit in this model? But we'll come to that on another podcast. Yes. Suffice to say, I would not say they're in the team. You probably would say they're in the team. No, I wouldn't. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, well, we, you'll, you'll see. Look out for the podcast on that, guys. Yes, that maybe they're the, the fifth role. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth role in the three roles of Agile. Yes, I'm, I'm not really happy with, but we'll, we'll deal with that another day. So the team is everybody, and classic, it's self-organised. Who leads the team? The team, team do. The team do. And then this is really interesting because lots of people would say, who leads the team? Well, the scrum master. Actually, that's not what it should be. The team is self-led, self-organised, self-empowered. The scrum master might help create what the backlog is, ready for the planning for that piece of work, that sprint. But the team undertake the work and commit to do it themselves. They don't commit to the scrum master, they commit to each other. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And in agreement with the, the product owner as to what they're going to be doing. Yes. Yeah. Once they've agreed what they're doing, then they have to go and do it. Cool. We're overrunning a bit, so we better be short on the next one. Okay. Stakeholders. Stakeholders. Everyone else. Well, yeah. The reason we say stakeholders is because just in terms of Scrum and Agile being successful, XP being successful, all these tools and techniques that are in there, for me, uh, as you start to get into larger enterprises, you move to a whole shed load of people who feel they've got some stake in the game. Mm-hmm. Some of them do and some of them don't. And so we tend to like the idea of fairly early on, when you're creating this team and creating the backlog, to think about the stakeholders and create a bit of a map of all of the stakeholders who've got some, maybe artificial skin in the game, but in their mind certainly skin in the game. You can have a development team who are very experienced. You can have a, a fantastic scrum master. You can have a, a product owner who's really engaging the stakeholders got a very clear view as to where they want to take the product but unless the stakeholders are on board then the whole thing can be stopped because they could be working in a different cycle they could be saying oh no we need to go away for six months and think about this and they can really scupper your uh, your, your development and they can stop you from being agile so they need to be not ignored and say so the stakeholders are just someone that the product owner manages You've got to say that they're people that you've got to put your arms around 
and who's who's got to put their arms around it? The team. I think the stakeholders separated from the team. Yeah, through this through the product owner, because the product owner knows what's going yeah. on. I mean, I always think it's like it's matter and antimatter. Team and stakeholders. That's a good one. You know, yeah. keep them apart because you get them together, explosions happen. On the other hand, you've got to take care of your stakeholders. Particularly, I mean, it's all right when you've got Scrum in a small startup company where there's six people working on it. Mm. But when you have these large enterprise companies, you can have whole departments that look after security. Um, you know, regulatory issues, um, all, all sorts of compliance issues, marketing, um, sales, uh, self-serve teams, etc. Uh, they've all got some skin in the game, whether you like it or not, whether you pretend. So, for example, I've heard people say, just find out who the product owner is and ignore everybody else. Mm. Now, that's okay if you're in the team, but if yeah. you're the scrum master or the product owner, well, you can't do that. The scrum master should be going out and uh, with the with the, uh, the product owner identifying who the stakeholders are and coaching them, making sure they understand yeah. what Agile is and what's expected of them and what they can come along to. There's, there's various yeah. scrum events and they should be invited. We should do each of those, what we would call the main ceremonies and yes. things, one of those on different podcasts. So my, my tip on stakeholders is this. At the start of the project, Jeff Sutherland said to me, when you start a project, build a team, build a backlog. Mm. I would add to that, build a stakeholder list. And for those stakeholders, work out whether they are involved, whether you need to involve them, or whether you just need to keep them informed, whether they are very powerful. Whether they could stop the whole yeah, product. Or they are yeah. powerless, mm-hmm. in which case, you know, that's different. And how you can get them to understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very much a show and tell, come demo, come review thing that you can do to get stakeholders involved but you can't always get all the stakeholders so i think sitting down and spending some time thinking about what would be called a stakeholder map and understanding who your stakeholders are it, for me i've learned is critical to the success of a project and they're not going to turn up to your sprint reviews not all of them will no. they're far too busy some no. of them yeah and so maybe the product only needs to take the uh, increment of delivered functionality on the road and take it around take and it to it. them yeah we'll, we'll talk about another podcast but i think in a large enterprise the idea of the head of marketing in a company that spends 20 million pounds a year on marketing making themselves available at nine o'clock on every thursday morning for half an hour just doesn't happen it just doesn't happen in large companies you know you've got six people and they all work in the same office of course you can do it mm. but, so um, we're overspent. We, we promised 15. I thought we might go to 20. We've slightly overgone on that. So that's what we've covered today. There's always post-production. There's always post-production. That's what we've covered today, the three roles of Scrum, and introduced ourselves. Watch out for the ne- po- next podcast where really we're going to talk about uh, three real reasons for uh, why Scrum works. Yes. And uh, between this podcast and the next one, Steve and I are going to argue forever about what the three should be. Well, we could keep on rerunning. Every time we <laughs> run out of titles to talk about, we just sort of have another three reasons. <laughs> bring, bring one in every couple of months. Another three reasons <laughs> for why you should do Scrum. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, uh, you're about to hear our lovely friend Emma give you the info on how you can get hold of us and how you can get feedback. Thanks. Thank you for downloading our podcast. For more information, you can go to www.scrumbuddy.co.uk and our email address is feedback at scrumbuddy.co.uk.